This is an NBA Sound System presentation of Basketball Jones with Mark Jones, produced by Hall Pass Media. To watch the entire video series, visit hallpassnetwork.com. Now, Mark Jones. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Basketball Jones edition number three, as today we chop it up with five-time NBA All-Star Damian Lillard joining us from his home in Portland. Damian, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me, bro. Hey, tell us uh, during this you know lockdown that we've all been in, and now things starting to move into phase one or phase two, whatever part of the country you're living in, depending on it. Um, what have you been doing? I mean, I I get up in the morning and um, I go train. That's obviously I'm gonna do that first, especially like maybe the first two and a half, three weeks of this. I was just like maybe the season is over I, I you know i didn't really know so i kind of just backed off and i didn't right. really do much and then and um i was like i started to get a little bit paranoid like man i don't want him to call us back and i'll be you know out of shape and having moved around and stiff and you know my body aching and stuff as soon as we come back so i started training you know i started um getting on the program and i got a, a full in-home gym so i started doing a lot of movement um, a lot of lifting a lot of core uh, steam room, just full body stuff, you know, just getting my body moving and being active as I possibly could. And then they recently opened up our facility. So I started, you know, going in there every day, getting on the court for like 45 minutes to an hour, going pretty hard and moving pretty well. So, I mean, that's that's what my days have been. My days, as far as training, is they usually end around noon, one o'clock. I've done everything I need to do sometimes. I'll go back at night and just do some light stuff, some light cardio stuff. But for the most part, I'm just at home all day with my with my family. That's great, man. I mean, so it sounds like you're doing work at the Portland Trailblazers facility and then yeah. coming doing home stuff at your home gym as well. Yeah. I mean, that's I try to like I don't want to I'm trying not to be out more than I need to be out. So okay. when I'm doing my uh, strength and conditioning program, I do it at my in home gym because I have a full gym. So um, I'll do that and then I'll leave home and then go work out on the court at the facility. And then when I leave the facility, I'll come back home and then, you know, pretty much have my, my whole day. And sometimes I'll go back and do a few things in my gym. Well, I know that uh, you and your trainer, Phil, man, you guys really get at it when it's time to really get at it. So that's been your your signature throughout your NBA career, which is really mm-hmm. something that the young guys in this league can admire and, and a great roadmap for them to follow. But Man, before the season ended, you were on, and I remember a particular stretch, Dame, in the middle of January through the end of the month, there was a six-game stretch where I really think, in a national sense, you became, and I said it on air many times during the games that I did, that you became an MVP candidate. You uh, started, I think, with a 61-point game on January the 20th, then followed that up with a 47 then a 50-piece, then a 36, then a 48, and a 51-point game. During that stretch, I mean, you made 57% of your three-pointers. Was there a moment during that six-game run where you thought, hey, it's happening now? And what sparked all that? I mean, it was sparked because we were just, you know, we weren't winning a lot of games. And we had injury after injury, um, just – our team just couldn't get it get it rolling, you know. And um, obviously, I was 
trying to stay positive about it and um, do things the right way. And I just felt like it was a, it was the time had come for me to, you know, try to really put my foot on the gas and try to force some things to happen, you know, force some momentum in our direction. And against Golden State, you know, I had a, a huge game. Um, but a lot of people looked at it like, you know, Golden State has a lot of guys out. This shouldn't be a tough game for them. But I think that was the night that our team, you know, kind of decided, you know, we don't care if we're supposed to win this game or what people think. We're going to just do whatever is necessary to get the job done. And that's what my mentality was as well. So um, that was a big night. And then the next night, you know, everybody was like, keep going. The coaches, my teammates was like, don't don't ease up. So after about three or four of those big games, you know, usually that's when I get to the point where I'm like, I don't want people to think that I'm making this about me. So I'll take a step back on purpose to show that I'm real, I'm willing to give up, you know, whatever shine or whatever attention is being put on me. I'm usually like that type to, you know, take a step back to show that, you know, I'm not getting full of this. And um, it didn't happen this time because everybody, all my teammates was like, keep going, score 50 again. Our coaches saying the same thing, keep going. Stay aggressive, come out from the jump. Like everybody was encouraging me to kind of just keep that pace up. And not only did I take that as a challenge, but I they made me comfortable continuing to be that aggressive and to attack like that. And also we were getting the results that we wanted. You know, we were beating good teams. So um, that kind of just went into, you know, his own thing. I, I can remember during that stretch in one of the post-game uh, news conferences, uh, Coach Stotts was like, man, don't ask me about Dame because this guy is playing out of his mind right now. You made over 57% of your three-pointers during that six-game stretch. Um, it garnered a lot of attention around the league. And after that, I started saying that you were an MVP candidate. That, I think, really put you in the top five, regardless of Portland's record. Uh, do you remember hearing from uh, any of your colleagues around the league during that time when you get went on that role? Yeah, I mean, a few you know, I, a few guys that reached out to me like, man, you know, you crazy. <laughs> like, they just like, you crazy. You like, they was just giving me love and respect for what I was doing, which I would do the same um, if somebody else had been doing it, you know. And I think that's that's pretty common in the league. When somebody has a stretch that's just crazy like that, people, you know, are are not hesitant to, to give that credit, you know, especially when the rest of the world is doing it. Um, so I, I definitely got a few of those messages, you know, from a few guys. Right. And, you know, one thing that I really noticed when it comes to the success of the, the Blazers is you're, you're, you're the, you're the head of the snake right now. And you and you and Terry Stotts really seem to be on the same page, yeah. uh, with regards to the direction of that team. How is, has, how has your relationship with him grown over the years? Uh, I think when I was, it's grown a lot. You know, but it was always in a very, very stable place. And when I first came into the league, you know, he was um, coming from Dallas. They had won a championship um, maybe the year, two years prior. And uh, he was getting another opportunity to become a head coach, which he had had, you know, years back in his career. Um, so, you know, he's coming into a situation. He's drafting a rookie. They're drafting a rookie point guard. Um, they want me to play. And. You know, he doesn't know what type of personality he's about to get, you know. So from jump, 
Terry gave me a lot of um, a lot of freedom and a lot of opportunity, a lot of leash, you know, to just find myself and make mistakes and, you know, do things maybe that I shouldn't be doing as a rookie. You know, he just he allowed that process to happen um, pretty fast. And a lot of guys don't get that opportunity. So, you know, I I automatically respected him just because he was my coach. But I really respected that he just allowed me that type of freedom when you got you know, an all-star power forward and you got a, you know, a really uh, savvy and crafty veteran shooting guard in Wes Matthews and Nick Batum, who's also a ball handler and coming into his own in his career and like a really good player. So, you know, considering those things for him to give me the type of responsibility and, and freedom that he did, you know, that meant a lot, you know, and that said a lot to me. So I think we, we always have been good and then once the the roster was turned over and me and him kind of had to come together even more because we were you know i had experienced winning with older players and now we're younger we're playing guys who didn't play in the past you're bringing in a new team all these things so we had to kind of put our heads together and become even more of a team as far as you know communication um understanding of you know how we're gonna move forward the kind of environment we wanted to create how we wanted things to go um and i think because of his personality mixed with my personality every day you know not just on the floor but my everyday personality with his um it was seamless you know it was it was pretty simple and um he's low maintenance i'm low maintenance i want to win he wants to win he's not looking for all the attention i'm not looking for all the attention you know i want to win the championship and so does he he wants to be respected um, as a head coach and for, you know, the kind of teams that he's led. And I want to be respected as one of the best at my position and for what I do. And it's, right. it, you know, we care about we care about the team. We care about what happens with our team and how things go. So that's that. And, and that doesn't happen without the amount of work that you put in. And uh, you're one of the more tireless workers that I've seen around the league. And we were talking about it a little bit earlier. Uh, you not only do your own workout with the team, but there's a lot of individual skill work that you do on your own and your game has grown to reflect that especially in the the deep three ball uh, uh era that we're playing right now in the nba what was the genesis of the development of that shot was it was a conscious decision that you and your skills trainer made to develop that part of your game because it's really paid off uh, yeah i mean i've always been able to shoot pretty deep like even since i was a kid i would I could shoot pretty deep, um, but I'll say it was in college, right? Where uh, I got to maybe my sophomore year, and I was MVP at a conference. I got invited to Adidas Na Adidas Nations, and I was you know <laughs> Weber State, yeah. And I was gonna play in front of scouts and stuff like that, and it became a reality when I was a sophomore. Like, oh, you could actually make the NBA. You could be drafted. So. From then on, we started to kind of like throw in a, a deep, a deep uh, shooting drill. You know, from not from the college line, we're gonna go from the NBA line, and then we're gonna step further than that. And then, in the next year, you know, I, I get hurt, I come back off injury, and we started doing it even more. So by the time I came back off injury, I wasn't shooting. Like if you look at film of my last year in college, I wasn't shooting from the college line. I was shooting from the NBA line. Just you know, that's where a lot of my threes came from. And then when I got drafted, you know, we started to do even more of it. So over the years, 
you know, my first year I was rookie of the year. The second year I played well, but it was like I, we were constantly looking for ways to, to like to just grow a little bit, you know, to where you just not stand the same, just incremental, you know, strides. Just okay, let's do this, let's do that, let's do this. You know, it's a small thing, but it'll make you better at this, this, and this. So we kind of that was our approach to to a lot of things, but especially that. And then eventually it got to the point where all my workouts. We started working out from what we was calling the four-point line, wow. where I wasn't just catching and shooting from from deep. I was doing it off the bounce. I was shooting it without jumping. I was doing it from like a, a squat position with no momentum and just raising up. I mean, just a lot of small things to make that an easier shot for me. So when it came to like the game time, it was realistic for me to play from that range. If somebody goes under a screen out there, if I raise up and shoot it, it's not like I'm taking a bad shot. To me, it's like I'm taking a shot from the three-point line. So we just really worked on every every little detail from that distance. And now in the game, it's like the floor is bigger for me. And, uh, you know, it's paying off. Yeah, you, you certainly have two of the more iconic shots in Portland Trailblazer history, the one against the Houston Rockets several years ago. And then, obviously, last year, the uh, yeah. wave goodbye shot against uh, – the Oklahoma City Thunder. One thing that I want to talk about too, Dame, with you is that, and this this might be really one of the more impressive things, I think, uh, league-wide is your ability to lead. And, and I speak with other guys around the league who talk about and exhibit leadership, uh, but your certain type of leadership seems to be very impactful and positive. Um, in a recent survey of NBA general managers, you were voted uh, the best leader amongst uh, teammates, uh, edging out Steph Curry and LeBron James by the percentages shown on the screen there. Um, what is it about your leadership style that you think makes your teammates very receptive to uh, listening and following and allowing you to lead? Sometimes leading from out front, sometimes leading from behind. I think is, you know, being a leader doesn't always mean that you're in the lead. Uh, I think for me, that's that's the biggest thing for me is because you're the leader doesn't mean everybody does what you say or it doesn't mean you're always the voice or what you say goes. I think, you know, a big reason why my teammates respect me as a leader um, is not because I play, I you know, I make the most money or because you know, I'm the star of the team or anything like that. I think it's because I put myself with the team. Um, if somebody else speaks up in the huddle and calls me out, you know, I accept it. I'm not going to look at it like you can't say something to me. I'm the leader. You know, I just if something needs to be said, I say it. You know, when it's when it comes to how hard we practice or how hard we train, I make sure that I train hard and I make sure that I'm on time every day. So. Um, I think it's a lot of, you know, just things like that. Yes. Um, I, I, don't point, I don't point the finger. I, I, I take responsibility for when things don't go wrong. You know, I, I just I take a lot of pride in making the lives of my teammates easier, whether that's from criticism like the New Orleans series. I'm going to say, you know, I'm the leader of the team and I'm the, the main guy on the team. I didn't play well enough. We came up short. You know, I got to do better to put my teammates in position to succeed and to to be better at their job. I'm going. I'd rather deal with that pressure or that criticism or whatever 
on my shoulders so it's easier for them and not just in in that situation just in many ways you know i re i would prefer it be that way because i because i really care about my teammates and you know people know when it's when it's genuine and when it's bs for yeah. for show or for the cameras or for whatever and um my teammates know because of behind closed doors and they know because of how constant and how steady i've been and everything that i do you know as far as our team goes yeah i i don't think i've heard of any of your teammates that haven't been over to your place for for some food or uh during a thanksgiving meal or you know you've taken guys out to dinner um have them over to your place uh buying rookies uh suits or clothes um Give me give me a roadmap for what it's like when you get a new player um, that comes to the Portland Trailblazers, and what's the what's the steps? What are the steps that you go through to say, hey, this is how we do it here, and this is what we expect of you, and this is how I'm going to help you? Like Nurk, Nurk came to the team as a recent player, kind of a couple of years ago. What were some of the first steps you took with him and kind of bringing him into the fold? Um, I mean, we just had a, a normal conversation, you know what I'm saying? And I didn't, I don't, I tried not to go up to people. We get a new player and be like, look, I'm the leader. This is the way we do things. You know, it's not like that. It's more of a, I, I kind of like to let people know I know about you. You know what I'm saying? Like I told Nurk, I heard about what they were saying about you in Denver. You know what I mean? And I know you got some. I know you got some stuff with you, not even like a bad thing, but I know that you, you know, you got a little bit of stuff with you, like all of us do. Right. Um, but I said, we ain't judging you here. You know what I mean? We, I feel like you just from playing against you and from watching you, you got a, a lot of ability. You can really help our team get to the next level. And we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. And, you know, I kind of just let them know. I, I, I see you helping us and I know this about you and it's just a normal conversation. So you can just break that ice and get to know each other. And, and he knows that I believe in him off, off the, off the back, you know, I believe in you. I think you can help us. And I want, I want to see good things happen for you. I want you to get a good contract. I want you to be around. I want you to be comfortable. And I make it clear without doing it in a, I guess, a, um, commercial way you know i just do it naturally like i don't go up to him right away i let it happen and when it does happen i think it just clicks you know and it could be other ways too like when we first got evan turner i i had never met et before mm -hmm. and now he's one of my best friends but he came we was talking he asked me some questions i was like yeah you know and he just learned that i wasn't front and center all the time looking for you know everything Everything got to go through Dame. You know, he's seen it. I was just fall back and lay back, do my thing, speak to everybody, whatever. And then we worked out together one day, and I told him, you know, we don't wear earrings in our in our workouts. Wow. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, it's a small thing. You know, it ain't go it ain't gonna kill us that you're wearing earrings, but you know, we just don't do that here. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, cool. He took his earrings out. He put them on the scores table during during that drill wow. and then you know maybe six months a year later we going to dinner all the time together we at each other's house all the time together and he mentioned it to me like bruh like you really crazy <laughs> but i really respect you because you like <laughs> you stand on you stand on like 
on what it is and you don't you don't step aside from that bro like you literally told me before we knew each other like that we don't wear earrings here and he was like do you know how uncomfortable that is to like to be yeah. that person and i was just like to be a leader sometimes you got to do what's not popular right. or you got to do something that's not comfortable because i don't want people thinking that i'm just bossing everybody around but it's like this is what our culture is this is what our standard is so do i do i want to be more concerned with people what they think right. as opposed to what i know is real in my heart or do i do i hold up our culture and take pride in that so now when the next person do it i'm not gonna have to be the one to say it because evan turner will you know what i mean like, I get it. I get it. That's, like that's how you build culture and that's how you i in my opinion and you know what's what i feel like has worked for me and is how you should lead, you know what I'm saying? By being with the team um, and allowing other people to hold you accountable the same as you hold them accountable. It, so, it's, funny. It, it's funny, Dane, because in watching The Last Dance, everybody is talking about Michael Jordan and how he was, you know, he, he beat up on his teammates. It worked. Yeah. They won six championships in eight years, right. but he was pretty hard on some of his teammates. And I look at the way he led, I look at the way you lead, there's different ways to lead, always are effective, but you don't necessarily have to be like Mike in terms of leadership all the time. Yeah. It doesn't work for everyone, right? No, I think for one, that was a different time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like every, at that time, everybody didn't have a voice and people knew that. And it's also like, I'm playing with Michael Jordan. I'm not Michael Jordan. <laughs> so. Right they're going to deal with things from Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you win in six championships, they're going to be like, all right, we winning. I might not like this or I might not like that, but we win in championships. And for me, my look, my outlook on things are like, sometimes you can come down hard on people and they might check out on you and they'll check out on you at the wrong time. It's possible for them to check out on you at the wrong time. So, I don't that's just not that's not my my personal style you know what i'm saying even though it, it might work it might work for other people that's not my personal style um i'm more of a like mm, how do you how do i put it i'm more of a instead of coming down and you know beating up i'm i'm looking down the line you know what i'm saying like one of my favorite parts of playing sports is being a part of a team Sure. And forming bonds and building friendships and stuff like that. And then we achieve like high levels of success together and we appreciate each other for the journey. And and we appreciate the time we spent with each other because we spend more time together than we do with our families. So I'm looking at that. And when I look back at my career, I want the championships. I want to win. I want to, you know, feel what it's like to be at the top. And I also want to, you know, have that those same bonds and sure. you know those those friendships and stuff that you've built i feel like it'll mean more when you accomplish it in a in a in a together way where everybody's you know kind of on the same page and everybody's able to connect and still get there because it's possible not that one way is right and one way is wrong i just think it's possible to do both and one is more you know probably my style sure sure hey man one thing we like to do here on the basketball jones is get beyond the 94 by 50 feet of the basketball court, man. And uh, yeah. I, I saw you all-star weekend, man. And I really love the way you performed. Dame Dollar yeah. on stage. Uh, that was really captivating. Uh, yeah. See you live. I mean, I've seen you 
I've seen some some of your videos and listened to your music, uh, Moneyball, one of your recent ones. But let's go right back to the start of your music and yeah. Dollar, Dame Dollar, different on levels the Lord allowed. That's the acronym. How did you arrive at that acronym? Well, I. When I was in college, I would always be trying to get my roommates like, listen to this rap I just wrote. You know what I'm saying? I'd be trying to run my rhymes by him, calling my brother when he was in college. I was a freshman. I'm calling him in his last year, like, listen what I just wrote. You know, I'm freestyling the beats on YouTube and stuff. And um, all my roommates just started calling me Dame Dollar. They started calling me Dollar. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, when I when I got to the league and I started really getting like deeper into my music and people was like taking notice i was like i you know how what kind of rap name am i gonna come up with and you know dollar was just so natural because like all my roommates started to call me that just without dang they just called me dollar like okay. to this day they call me that so it's like i was like how can i make this more than just you know dang dollar like dollar sign and it and it also connect with who i feel like i am cool. and um in a lot of ways, I do feel like I'm, I'm not the typical athlete, um, as a person, you know, and like the way I think and how I feel about stuff, and just the way that I carry, you know, my career and my life. Um, I feel like, you know, there's a there's a difference with me. I honestly feel like that. So I was like, how can I come up with something that's catchy, something creative, love it, but it's still dollar. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely and, love um, it. I feel like I'm different. I came up with different on levels the Lord allowed because it's just I don't know the way that the way that I think um, to be able to to have the kind of NBA career that I've had and then to you know go into music and then to be able to do everything that I do for my family and like carry that burden and. A lot of guys do that, but then to be still be able to to be as compassionate as I was before I was anybody, and to still be connected to you know all of the people who are part of the foundation of my athletic career and who I have become as a person, like to be able to stay connected to all that stuff and still be in touch with all those different sides of myself, and then also you know attain what I have. Um, I feel like it's just not it's not typical. And um, I, I considered all those things. I considered all those things when thinking of, you know, a good word for each letter in in dollar. And I came up with that, and it was, it was perfect. Love it. I, I went back and um, listened to uh, Wasa Front when um, the legendary Jerry Sloan passed away. Yeah. I saw him post on on Twitter, and uh, I, I went back. I, I want. I'm going to ask you if you can give me a couple of bars here, man. If you still remember. Far away from home, feeling so alone. You take the rest. You remember that bar? I said, "Yeah, that was my first album. That's one. That's actually one of my favorite songs that I wrote because I wrote it um, during the summer while I was training in Utah. Right. And it's called Wasatch Front because that's like the that area that I went to school in, like from Salt Lake City, that run down to Ogden almost. And um, I said, "Far away from home, feeling so alone, a boy amongst men." I said, a boy amongst men is far away from home. I ain't even wear cologne. A boy amongst men, I ain't even wear cologne. 
Boy amongst men, I ain't even work alone. Girls call me MCM. Girls call me MCM, and I'm trying to be Jerome. <laughs> the jazz up the road, I want to play for Jerry Sloan. Yeah. So it was like, I'm feeling so alone. A boy was amongst it, men, that was I don't even work alone. That was a great Girls call me MCM. I'm trying to be Jerome. Your boy amongst men. The jazz up the road. I want to play for Jerry Sloan. Like, and I actually wrote that hook too. So it's yeah. like, yeah. Cause when I got to school, Jerry Sloan was coaching the jazz. Right. And I just remember like I play pickup at all at like the at the base. I go on base and play pickup. I would go to the jazz uh practice facility and I play with like dudes that went to school in Utah and like was living there. And was playing overseas. Sometimes it was pros uh, like Ronnie Price or Jimmer Fredette. Like they had come back and play pickup. Right. Um, Millsaps, uh, Paul Millsaps brothers would be there all the time. And I remember like I would take so much pride in going to those runs and like hooping because I always felt like somebody from the Jazz was going to be there. And I was like at this small school. And I was like, man, somebody need to be in here watching so they could, so the Jazz could draft me or just sign me or something. So like, when I was writing that song, I was thinking about all those times where I used to be like, man, honestly, I'll go play for the jazz right now. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, right down so. the road, man. That, 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 uh, that was really deep. And, and I think about uh, the rap game right now. For you to be able to seamlessly go between, you know, an all-star, you know, all-NBA player and be as respected in the rap game as you are is, is really – uh, a, a special talent. Who are who are three guys that you'd love to do a collab with? Who are three artists? Throw out three names for me. Who you'd like to ultimately? I mean, I've done music with a lot of really like Lil yeah. Wayne is you know all three of my albums, so that's obviously right. a number one. Um, I've done stuff with Two Chains, Jamie Foxx, Juvenile was one of my favorites, Benny the Butcher, um, Jeremiah, Mozzie. Uh, Marsha Ambrosius was on my album. Uh, who else did I get on there? Mm. One, two, three. You've, you've had a few, but what, what I've was had a lot of them. But yeah, right now, if I could get three that I haven't got, I would do Drake for sure. I got to get one with Drake. I've been working on that for a while, but that ain't, as you know, that ain't the easy one. <laughs> right. But I gotta get I gotta get Drake. Um J. Cole is my boy. J. Have you Cole done anything with Meek? I haven't done that with Meek, but I was I was trying to do something with Meek. I just gotta get a hold of him. I ran into him a while back, but you know what I'm saying? That's that should be able to happen. But J. Cole, I gotta do one with J. Cole because that's my boy. I gotta do one with Drake. And um if I had one, only one more, I would say. Um, I live down here in Miami, man. Any Rick Ross on the table? No, I rock with Rick Ross. I rock with Rick Ross. But if I had to pick three, I'm going to go with J. Cole, Drake, and either Kendrick or. Okay. Either Kendrick or. Or me, Kendrick or me. Okay. That's a good lineup, man. That's yeah. a really good lineup. Like that. I would even do 
I would even do Meg the Stallion because I like her stuff. She got bars. Okay. <laughs> all right. Hey man, and, and let's 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 tie it all back in and I think about some good Bay Area rappers and 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 you're a guy that that reps Oakland really well, man. With mm-hmm. the number you wear, Oakland. You know, the O is for Ogden. It's for Oregon. Uh, it says everything about you. Your mom, Gina. Your dad, Houston. Um, which one of those? Were, how much of the competitiveness? Um, that you play with comes from each of the two of your parents? Um, I think from both. Okay. Like my mom is a, my mom is a emotional competitor. Like if she's involved in any type of competition, it's going to be, it's going to be some, it's going to be intense. Okay. Cause she ain't going to go away quite like she just not going to deal with it well. And uh, when I was younger, I had a lot of that. So, like, I think that's where, like, the care part, like, how much it means to me, I think I get it from my mom. It's okay. like, if I'm invested in something or if I've taken the time to, like, work at something and I'm really trying to accomplish it, like, I'm very emotionally invested in the way that my mom is. Like, I really care. Um so from a competitive standpoint, I get that from my mom with how much I care about it and how like how much it means to me. But my dad is more of like a, and I've I've grown into this more as I've gotten older. Um, like after I would say after high school, towards college and like being an MBA for sure, where my dad is like um, just an assassin, you know, just like my dad is no emotion and. Wow no flashiness and no showing off but in the meantime everything that everything that needs to be done for you to come out on top and to get your job done is being done whether everybody knows it or nobody knows it and i feel like i've i've gotten a lot of that from my dad like you know i don't really need you know it's not really it's not really that important to me for everybody to know or you know what I'm saying? And it took me a while to get to that because at first I was like more like my mom. Like, no, they need to give me my credit for this, you know. I but it's weird that as I've gotten older, my mom my dad is has just rubbed off on me more and more to where I'm just like if I had a, a big shot, that's game. Right. right. I'm gonna give you the, I'm gonna give you a straight face, like, yeah, game. I remember you telling me one time that you said your father isn't the type of guy that hands out a lot of compliments. So when he says something nice, exactly, about he's game, not. He's done. not. He'll be like my dad. I'll tell you exactly what my dad would say if I did something like big. He'd be like, "Right on." That's it. He'd be like, "Right on." Shake my hand, and he won't take nothing away from you. But it's like I've kind of adopted that from him to where like I expect things out of myself. I don't, um, you know, I don't fear no competition or fear losing or coming up short or fear being talked about you know what i mean like i'm i get that type of competitiveness from my dad where it's like all right i'll go back to the drawing board all right you know i'm humble enough to accept failure and whatever but i'm not gonna stop coming back you know so i bought a little bit of both of those things from from both of my parents some more oakland flavor um i mean think about oakland i think about you know, guys like yourself, Gary Payton, Jason Kidd, Brian Shaw, Antonio Davis, uh, Hook Mitchell, Bill Rock. Yeah. When you look at players. They got my boy Hook. 
<laughs> when you look at players across the spectrum that have come out of the Bay Area and made their impact on the basketball landscape, um, which of those guys have you had a, a relationship with and uh, a significant maybe moment with that really made an impact on you moving forward in your career? Um. Well, I know J Kid. Me and J Kid text. Um, and he was still in the league when I got in the league. I played against J Kid. He played for the Knicks. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, my first time playing in the Garden was against J Kid, and um, that. So we, I played J Kid, and from that point on, me and J Kid kind of was like, you know, we we he knew like, okay, he this a new kid from Oakland. Um, I had met GP. I met GP my very last college game. Uh, GP was at my last college game sitting courtside uh, with my agent. Oh, and wow. I hadn't picked the agent. Like, I didn't know. But I, I knew I was going to be entering the draft after that year. Um, and I hadn't picked the agent. But my my agent and, uh, and GP was sitting courtside. And GP was just talking shit the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah, what you going to do? Real Oakland and some, 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 some. And then, uh, uh, you know, I remember like, wow, this, like GP really sitting over here being GP. So uh, after the game, he walk up and we chopping it up like because GP knew my dad like from from way back. So um, we just was chopping it up and uh, I was doing like the media stuff after the game. He was asking me about the draft and he was like answering questions. So I'm like, man, yeah, he gone and something, something, something. He was just saying stuff. And I was like. That's Gary. <laughs> I was like, man, he crazy. So um, me and GP was cool from that point on. But I think I really, really hit it off with uh, B. Shaw. Like to this day, that's like. Yeah. B. Shaw is like my dude for real. Um, and GP and J. Kid is too. But me and B. Shaw, we've, we've been in a mix together like heavily, you know. Um, like even. Um, a few like when I first got in the league, I would be in Oakland in the summer, just in Oakland in the gym, just training with uh, one of my my trainers, Chris Farr. I worked out with him for the draft and everything, and I knew C Farr since I was a kid. And we would go to the gym, you know, eight in the morning, and uh, B Shaw would be come to the gym, and like I was working out with both of them and he like showing me that's like in the league you know do, do this and he was just showing me so many different things and he was actually on the court with me and doing all this stuff and um advice like always on the phone with Bishaw always texting with Bishaw and all these things so it was like me and him to this day me and Bishaw is tight like invite me to his house in Oakland like everything he he been on he been a one from from jump yeah, there's so many great generations of players that have uh, come out of the Bay Area. area. You mentioned yeah. Brian. I got to know Brian when he played down here for the Miami Heat for a number of years. Still one of the more popular players in the organization yeah. history. Um, let's move on to Portland, Dane, before we wrap it up. And uh, yeah. if, if, if we like to talk about some of the finer things and give me, give me your three top restaurants. If I roll into Portland on a Thursday or Friday night, and I'm looking for a nice spot to eat. Uh, I've been to El Gaucho's, but tell, tell me. be one of them. Okay, give, give me your top three or five places where I can get a nice meal and go home and knock out. Um, I would say um, El Gaucho is definitely one of them. Okay. I don't know how you feel about sushi, but I would say 
All the bamboo time. sushi. All the time. Little El Gaucho, El Gaucho Bamboo Sushi, and um, it's another restaurant called Ox. I would definitely try those three. Ox. Okay. Any, any is it either of those any soul food spots? Get some oxtail or some greens or. El Gaucho's not soul food. Bamboo's not, but uh, you can definitely get that at Ox. Okay. Okay, great stuff. All three of them on point. You would not be you would not be disappointed. <laughs> hey, let, let's go real quick on the on the shot clock here. Uh, I want right. a couple of quick answers from you. Favorite food? My favorite food is um, fried catfish. Favorite drink? My favorite drink, mm, probably uh, strawberry lemonade. Favorite dessert? <laughs> Strawberry cheesecake. Ooh, okay. Favorite fast food, if you do that. My favorite fast food, I do on occasion. Um, favorite fast food, let me say uh, Five Guys. Five Guys, good. Double bacon cheese. Five Guys burgers and fries, man. Uh, you went through a little vegan phase at one point, didn't you? I was vegan for about eight months, like two, three years ago. I was, I was too skinny. Too skinny? You vegan? No, oh, I was, I was like say. that. <laughs> when I, I can, I can did that, I was just trying to like, you know, I was trying to see if it if it could possibly work for me. And it, right. I actually did feel really healthy and feel really good. I lost a lot of weight, though. I was like 185 pounds, which I haven't been in a long time. I was 190 as a rookie, but That's I was 185. Yeah, so I was 185. I was running fast. I was moving well. But I just... I started that season slower than usual because I I wasn't recovering fast enough. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, you know, I eventually I had to get up off I had to get up off of that diet, but um I could definitely see myself doing it when I'm done playing, for sure. Right. 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 Hey Dame, uh before we wrap it up, just uh any thoughts moving forward on the season? I, I know that uh there was a little bit of news today and you better you explain just what the overall feel is of yourself and, and your team moving forward. You're the voice in the, the face of the Blazers, uh, depending on what scenario, because it looks like we're going to get some basketball to finish yeah. the season. But No, I mean, obviously, we, um, obviously we're, we're professional basketball players, so we want to play. And um, a lot of us have been training you know, preparing for that because we started the season. So, of course, we want to finish it. Um, But, like, right before we had this break, right before COVID-19 hit, uh, we were in the middle of a playoff race, you know, a pretty tight playoff race, not just with us, but, you know, the 10th, 11th, and 12th place teams in the Western yeah. Conference are, you know, within striking distance. Um, And you're looking at 15, 16 games remaining, and you got an opportunity to close in. Um, so now with these things happening, you just would hope that when we do come back and play, that you have an opportunity to to still be in pursuit of that instead of just coming back and and playing just to play. Um, you know that's not that's not what anybody wants. And again, we want to play, man, but we want to we want to play for something, just like everybody else that's gonna play for something. And you know that's it. Other than that, I don't really. I'm still training and preparing to play, but you know we just want to play for something. Right, and I know you've always been uh, ten toes down in your own words, man. So uh, yeah, always I say what I mean. I mean what I say, and I stand on it. You know, it's um, 
that's how it should be. Hey, Dane, thanks a lot for joining us today on the, uh, the Basketball Jones. And, uh, man, I'm glad that you're enjoying a little extra time with the family, man, with uh, Dane Jr. How's he doing? Is he good? He's doing good, man. He's taking a nap right now. But it's, it's time we won't ever have again, man, just to, you know, take a break from life and be, yeah. and be with our family, you know, on the daily. So it's been as much as I'm sure all of us would love to be in hooping, you know, it's been a blessing and to to spend as much time at home and you kind of appreciate the stillness. You know what I mean? And just being able to kick back and, and get this time in because we don't we don't typically get this time. So, you know, it's been pretty cool. Good stuff, man. Well, um, hey, if we do come down to Orlando, I can give you a scouting report on all the rides for Dane Jr., man. I got three kids. They've all been through the, through the middle. Man, we in Orlando. We not going to be doing none of that. So... We're not doing none of those. We ain't, we ain't going to be a part of that first wave, man. We're going to protect ourselves like everybody else should. Right, right. Dane, thanks a lot for joining us on the Basketball Jones, man. Much uh, love and continued success personally and as a team and uh, with your family. And uh, hope everybody is safe and healthy moving forward. Same to you, brother. Same to you. I love the name, too, man. Basketball Jones. That's on point right there. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks, man. Appreciate you. All right. All right, for sure. I'll see you soon. Yeah.